Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week we are going to have a good girl chat. You know, we haven't had one of these sit down venting sessions here in a while, but also we have a lot of questions that we didn't get to the last time that we asked you guys, you know, what you wanted to hear. So Haley, what is our topic for today? Yeah. So our topic for the day is new attorney, new associate. What does my life look like? And is it just me or is everyone else struggling too? We're going to talk a little bit about the transition from law school, taking the bar to working and doing attorney work, which as many of you know, is totally different than law school. And we're just here to talk about it, debunk some myths, answer some of you guys' questions, and like Samantha said, kind of just have a little rant sesh. Yeah. So for any of you guys who don't know, in our law journey, we are both first-year attorneys. Yeah, pretty much. We're in our first year of practice. We graduated in 2022. That's when we were 3Ls. So We've had quite a bit of time of like bar exam, limbo, life, you know, the, the unknown. But now we're at a final, like at our final phase, right? Now we're lawyers. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of you guys had questions, mostly based on, like Haley said, the transition between law school and the legal world. So what are they wanting to know? So I think first and foremost, people want to know, is it an adjustment? Is a hard adjustment from law school to working? And if we can just talk a little bit about what that quote unquote adjustment, I'm using air quotes, looks like. So I'll let you start. Yeah. So I guess I can just give a little synopsis of what my transition kind of looked like and how I dealt with it. Okay. So obviously, you know, graduation, you take the bar, the bar is like its whole other thing. You're not really focusing on anything else. Like I don't Mm -hmm. know until I passed the bar. I mean, I wasn't really focusing on like, like my law career. Right. You know, like that's a hurdle to get to once you pass the bar. Um, so now that I'm in my position, I've been an attorney now for like 10 months. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say it's different, especially as someone who went straight through law school, like from undergrad, um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to like ever work a normal, like nine to five, except for like, yes, I had internships 
et cetera. But those, even if it's like a summer, right. And it's still nine to five. You're still working. It's just not the same. I mean, still going to school, working. It's yeah. Like, like it's just yeah. not the same um, financially, right? Like when you're in those positions of like an internship and you're working like that, usually you're living off loans, you know? So mm-hmm. like, it's more stability, right? So this was the first time, you know, that I was like working a nine to five, making my own money, having to, you know, now I don't have student loans to like catch me, you know? It's like yeah. me. So that comes, I think- that is a little bit getting used to, you know, also like figuring out how to budget, like stuff like that, that I didn't really have to think about before because I would just, you know, get a big lump sum of money at the beginning of the semester and like that's what I would live off of. Yeah. So I think for me, that was the biggest adjustment, but also just the type of work that you do as a lawyer compared to as an intern, at least for me. Once you have your license, there's a lot more responsibility. There's a lot more pressure to not mess up. Mm -hmm. So I think that just adds an added layer to like the gravity of like your job. You know, like when you're an intern, like the lawyer is going to be checking your work and like signing off on it. You're not necessarily the last say, but when you're an attorney, like most of the time you're the last say and that Mm. can, you know, when you're not so confident and like you're a first year attorney for me, it was scary to like, be the last say on a lot of things like, you know? Yeah. So I think that definitely was weird. And like the authority that I had all of a sudden at like 26 years old, it just Mm -hmm. felt really like, whoa, you know, like this is a lot. Like, I don't know. I'd never been someone's like boss before, you know, like I'd never had that kind of interaction. I was always like the low man on the totem pole. And now like, that's not the case. I mean, among the attorneys. Yeah. I'm the, the, you know, low man on the totem pole, but compared to like the rest of the firm, like they look to you, like they call you the boss, you know? So, so I want to go back to a few things you said at the beginning about budgeting and what that looks like. And just talk about what it's like to make your income and live off of it. Because I think a lot of people, like you said, you went straight from undergrad to law school. So this is your first job where you're making money, like like you said, budgeting. You know, before it was student loans, you get all this money, which, you know, people tell us to budget. We know we're supposed to it. Okay, we try. But it's so different when it's like paycheck to paycheck. And you hear that sometimes in living paycheck to paycheck. And it kind of just hits home, right? Yeah, because it's like when you're getting paid every two weeks and bills come out at different time, like it's just different than having – a lot of money in your bank that you can just kind of pay whenever, you know? So how do you find, you know, on top of everything that we have going on, working and being a baby attorney, you know, one, how did you know how much money that you needed to live off of? And two, how did you know, okay, like, where do you even start with a budget? Like, you know, and we don't have to dive deep. That can be a whole episode, right? But, but, you know, just the generals. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember it was like when I first started, um, no, it was like when I was leaving my first job, um, that obviously I was going to be making a lot more money at my new job. So at that point at my old job, I was basically, I felt like not making zero. Like it was like, I basically from an intern to a lawyer, the difference was like $2 in pay an hour pretty much, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so at that point when I realized like it wasn't going to be sustainable, I was like, okay, I need to start budgeting. Cause I didn't know if I was going to get another job at that point or 
you know, like what the situation was going to be. So I started off with, obviously I listened to financial feminist shout out. Mm -hmm. Great starting point. If you have no, like no clue. I mean, I didn't know about like high yield savings accounts and all this kind of stuff. Like I had never, my parents also didn't talk about money with me a lot. So they kind of, I think it's common. It's more common than we, you know, to themselves. And I didn't, they didn't, and I'm not blaming them. Right. It's just like, that's not nothing we talked about. So I went through like my bank card, like my bank account. And I went through and looked at all my expenses for a month. And I was like, okay, I made a spreadsheet on Excel and I was like, rent, food, utilities, and anything that I could think of, of like what I'm spending every month. Right. Even putting like a category for shopping miscellaneous, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I put like what I have been spending. And then like, you know, there's a lot of math involved in this, but the gist is, you know, you look at that compared to how much you're bringing in. And when I realized like, oh, okay, I'm spending number one, like food, number one, that's like a huge spend money where my money was going. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can save some money there, not eating out as much. But once I saw it all on paper and I could kind of conceptualize it, see where my money was going, seeing how much I had left over. I also did a few like formulas that would kind of like predict how much money I'd have left over in my account after like all my bills had been paid and mm-hmm. and how much I would have at the end of the year. And it wasn't great. <laughs> I was just like, I don't feel great about this. So then I got nervous. This was at your previous job where yes, you were making previous less job. Money. And I was like, okay. oh my God, like that's what's triggered me to like start budgeting. Cause I was like, oh okay. God. Uh-huh. Yeah. And once you saw the amount of money that might've told you, I need to also look for another yes. job. And then I kind of figured out like, what am I comfortable making now? So I mm-hmm. made another spreadsheet. I basically copied a new spreadsheet, mm-hmm. copy and pasted it. And then put my prediction of like how much I want to be making comparing okay. it with the same budget and being like, how much money do I have left over then? How much money can I put into savings if I was making this much money compared to now? So that helped me kind of figure out what ranges I was going to look for jobs and ask for money, right? Okay. Smart, smart. And then from there, I mean, I just haven't stopped since. I got Nerd Wallet, which has been nice to kind of like help me keep it, yes. you know, control. You recommended Nerd Wallet for me and yeah. I love it. Also, I think that another really good thing to look up if you're listening and you're also thinking, okay, yeah, I want to do what she's doing, but I, maybe I need some guidelines. The 50, 30, 20 method is something that nerd wallet talks about that is all over the internet. You can read many, many articles about it. Um, but it's good to help you kind of maybe if you're like, I don't really know how much I should even be spending for rent and food and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's a good way to really break it down for yourself. And what I also did once I started, and we can talk about more about like what changes when you make more money, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit of the lifestyle creep. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you look up online easily, like your state that you're in and how much money you make, they can tell you easily what you can, afford, what you should be paying for rent that should be within your budget. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes yeah. it will overshoot it, right? I don't know. It yeah, and that's it could be a huge yeah. income sucker is rent, and we or again, mortgage, right? Like or your mortgage, yes. Yeah. Which <laughs> many of us all we that could be a whole nother episode, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about lifestyle creep and what that means. Not gonna lie, I had to look it up. So I'm going to read it for anyone else who doesn't know what it means. But lifestyle creep is a common pattern of spending more money as you earn more money. 
And I think that that is something we've heard many people talk about. I know whenever we had Lauren Klein on the podcast and she talked about people being millionaires, making millions of dollars a year and saying they can't stop working because they basically spend more than they earn. So they have to keep working. I mean, it's very common in our fields and I think it's great that we're talking about it. So first off, budgeting is huge. And I think that's part of how you combat lifestyle creep. I also think uh, being honest with yourself and saying, I don't really need all this stuff and luxury items or lavish vacations mm-hmm. is part of that. It's part of reining yourself in and keeping it more humble, basically. Yeah. I mean, I will say that once you do start budgeting, like you'll just notice, right? Like the things that you didn't even think were adding up. So for it can be the smallest things. Of course. You know, and I think you over time you learn like what you want to spend your money on and what yeah. you don't. And I think what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're willing not to sacrifice. And I think that also what you're willing to not sacrifice can also get you into trouble because sometimes our wants are so well that's mm, what I'll And I think with lifestyle creep specifically, mm-hmm. I think we get used to a certain way of living, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when you and it's true. Once you start making more money, you start spending more money. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was telling John, like, for example, like the house we're living in, we pay more than we did in our apartment. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever go back to have, you know, paying less than we're paying now. Cause like, we're only going to want a bigger home next time, you know, yeah. like uh, certain things. And like, it's not a bad thing, but it can get you in trouble. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Exactly. And I will say from someone, I'll be candid. I mean, when I left my job as a law clerk before, you know, right when I passed the bar and moved to my current role that I'm in now as an attorney, uh, the pay was double. So I had to realize that, yes, I was living on what I was making previously. 
Um, I knew I could live off of that. I knew personally the struggles though that I felt and I had in certain situations with money uh, at certain times where you live quote unquote paycheck to paycheck. And I knew I didn't want that, but I also knew I had a lot more money and that if I wasn't careful, I would blow it Mm -hmm. and I would fall into lifestyle creep where I get used to this and accustomed to this lifestyle of let's say shopping and buying new things or going to really expensive dinners or whatever. And you think that your pay is so much and so great until you push it to the limits and all of a sudden you're living above your means. And I think that it's been very intentional for me. I mean, I've been in my role for, you know, a couple months and I can see how I would already be like, oh, I wish I had more money. So it's so easy to fall into that. And I mean, just a few months ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making so much money. And, you know, even with us budgeting and everything, it's still so easy. And I understand and I recognize where it would be easy to fall into that pattern. So yeah. And I think a smart way to combat the potential for lifestyle creep is also like, let's say you do get a job that pays you double for a while, maybe challenge yourself to live like you were living beforehand and put the money that you like the difference in a high yield savings account. Cause I can definitely say that I wish I had started a savings, a high yield savings account a lot sooner just because you never know. Like you never know if your partner's going to lose their job or if, you know, you're going to, you know, like you just don't know. Absolutely agree. I think that that is something that any financial feminist would recommend. My mother included. That was something that she told me was like, you better be careful because if you don't watch it, I mean, and everyone's different. Everyone spends and everyone handles money differently, but it's easy to be confused when you first come out and you don't know what's going on. So I feel like this is a huge part of the quote unquote adjustment. And I'm, I'm glad that we talked about it because I know me and you have talked many times about our pay and how to budget and just figuring out this adulting life. Well, it's also like no one really tells you, you know, let's say you didn't grow up talking about money or like you didn't have a job before you went to law school. So you don't really know how to, you've never really had to budget. Like Mm -hmm. no one really tells you unless you seek it out yourself. Right. So that's another thing. You're going to have to want to be self-aware about it. Um, Yeah. And I've totally been there where I'm just like, I don't, I I think I've said this on the podcast. There's Mm -hmm. been times where I did not want to check my bank account. Like I just would not check it because I just didn't want to be (laughs) disappointed (laughs) when I looked or like scared. And it's crazy how far we've come just in a year, you know? I know, right? And it is crazy that you say that because like once you do start making a certain amount, then you're like, okay, what's, when's the next time? When, when am I going to get a raise? Like I'm already thinking Mm -hmm. about that. And that's just, yeah. It's a nice balance, right? Like it's good to hear. We need to hear it. Everyone listening needs to hear this. But we also live in America where it is greed and capitalism day after day. So money is something that is on our mind and in society we talk about. Like I said, be humble, right? So, you know, you talked about being the in charge and being the final say on things, right? One of our listeners asked, how do you learn slash know to do everything that law school doesn't teach you? You don't. You never will. <laughs> and I can vouch for that. I've met the attorneys that are 50 years older than me. So that's mm-hmm. like 70 something. And they still say that they are winging it on certain things, of course. Like, yeah, they know stuff. But like, 
most of everybody is winging it half the time and most of the time they're making it up as they go. Absolutely. And it's really, really important to take a step back and give yourself grace. I think this one hits me really hard because in my job, I've just been winging it since the day I walked in the door. Uh, I wondered to myself, is this like what it will always be like for me lawyering or is this just this role that I'm in? And I've come to realize that being in family law is is fast paced and it's very uh, emotional, like everyone says, and it checks a lot of the boxes that everyone tells you, right? But at the same time, being in court and talking to different attorneys, no one tells you how to do that. You know, we took, we both took trial practice, but no one told us how to approach the bench and just talk like no. a normal adult with people. <laughs> what I have heard though, which is okay. probably going to help you, you know, feel better is that mm-hmm. you just get more comfortable with winging it. Yes. You know, like you just become more c- confident and like, being like, yeah, I'm going to make this up, but you know, I'm going to do it. And like, usually it'll be fine. Like, you know? Yeah. And I want to give a great example of that because just this past Friday, I had a great example of winging it and how people tell you what to do. And at some point, I guess the whole reason I even want to share the story before I share it, I want to say is that to solidify the fact that you just have to trust yourself. The reason that we're even talking about winging it right now is because it. I think it's good to know this so that you can trust yourself in moments where you just need to take control of the situation and get shit done. Mm-hmm. I had to go to court for to sign a final decree of divorce. Uh, it's been him-haw back and forth, on and on. Uh, my boss sends me. Mm-hmm. It is a 50-year-older-than-me attorney, woman on the other side. There was some sass. And there was some attitude, but I played it well, right? I just went, you know, emotionless, men in black style, very like, okay, I'm here to get this done. I need to get this done for my client. If you ask me questions, I'll answer them, but I'm not going to give you back chit chat, little talk, things like that. And that's not necessarily my personality, right? But I knew in that moment that that's what I needed to do for myself to get and take control of the situation. Because when you're a young attorney, people try to take advantage of you. Yeah. When you're a woman, people try to take advantage of you. I'm sure men sometimes feel like people try to take advantage of them. So in this game of law, sometimes you just have to trust yourself. That's the only person you can trust. And you know what you can do. And and I think that when I left that morning, when Colton left to go to work, I was nervous. Like I really was. And when I got and I left court, I felt, again, so exhilarated. I was just like, yes, I did it. And that helps you build confidence. Mm-hmm. And it helps you be a lawyer. I mean, I feel like being confident. You know, you, we say sometimes, oh, that guy's so arrogant. Or, oh, that girl's so arrogant. Mm-hmm. And it's because they have that swagger about them. And I'm building that swagger. And I hope that you guys are building that swagger, too, as you go in day in, day out. And not come away defeated, yeah. you know? No, I totally agree. So I think that, yeah, law school doesn't teach you everything. It teaches you, it changes your brain to make you think a certain way. Yeah. Um, And from there on, it's about what you do with that. I mean, seriously, though, like half the things that you learn in law school, like you're never going to touch again. Like It's just the reality of the situation, you know? Absolutely. So last question. This one's a good one. And one that I've been dealing with a lot this past week. (laughs) How do you manage having a work-life balance and not letting your work consume your life? Okay. So there are certain occupations that are going to have less work-life balance than others, I believe. 
Yes. I think being a lawyer, a high-powered executive, doctors at times, I guess it depends on if you're an on-call one. I feel like or not, certain know? people in the medical field yeah. in general. You know? Yeah. And a few others where there might not be a choice on whether you get to choose work-life balance at times because let's say a deadline, right? A court deadline, unless you've been diligent and done it ahead of time and you can get yourself work-life balance or whatever. Yeah. It may work out for you, but if you work for, let's say a team and you're not uh, the person with necessarily the last say and your boss tells you to do something like you're probably going to do it. There's no probably. Yeah. Let's be honest. And that's kind of like I've heard from every lawyer that I've talked to. Well, and you know, I want to say earlier, you said the low man on the totem pole and you said, you know, like, oh, I'm someone's boss. But at the end of the day, I'm really like, I'm still the, we're still the low man. We're the associate. And I've come to realize that being the associate means you don't say no. As much as I want to say no so many times to things that you just have to do. And it it, it builds character, right? And like, yeah, I mean- it's give and take, right? Because there's, I think there's a limit, right? If it was like you're working 80 hour weeks or something every single week, right? Yeah, that, that you wouldn't obviously be saying yeah. do that. Yeah, but I think that you know, thankfully, there is a lot of leeway. Like sometimes it's really busy and sometimes it's not, right? For at least in my practice. But I just think that I mean, knowing how the law litigation, especially like, I just don't. I don't think that it's possible to completely be able to shut off, you know, unless you like take on vacation and you tell everybody like, I'm going to be out of pocket. Like, don't talk to me. Like, I don't know. I think you're just going to have to do what you got to do those first few years until you are in a position where you can delegate work because that first year, like, who are you going to delegate to the intern? Maybe. Yeah. No, you can't do that. No, yeah. you're the last say. So yeah. unless you trust them with your life, which let's yeah. be honest, no like, lawyer trusts anyone kind of with the their life. the responsibility you take, right, with this title. Like you're an yeah. attorney. And I think there's a lot to be said, though, about how to keep it in check. When you first start this job, when you first start this role as an associate, as a young baby attorney, I think you think, oh, my God, I'm never going to have work-life balance. Because I think it's what you just said. It's just constant. It's part of it, but it's not forever. And that's what you have to remind yourself. Putting in your dues, um, putting your head down and working hard. These things that we've heard throughout our life and that we just, you know, did for the past so many years in law school. And now we're here. You think, oh my gosh, I thought it was going to be different. It's really a lot like law school, the first couple years of practice, because it's learning how all this that you learned before now applies in real life. And so many times I feel like people want work-life balance so much, but you have to give yourself grace and patience and let it come because it only comes with time. Yeah. And I think especially for the one to three year associate, like you're learning almost everything that you're doing. So it's going to take longer. And that's just kind of part of the process. Like a senior attorney might be able to whip out a motion or simple discovery in like 30 minutes or an hour, you know, and like someone Mm -hmm. who's starting from scratch and doesn't know anything, like it's going to take you longer and therefore you're going to probably have to work more. But that's, that's also because you're new, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and usually your boss knows that. So yeah. And I think that, you know, your time is still valuable. You can actually do more than you think you can. I know there's many times where I sit down to do a new type of 
filing. I'm just going to call them a filing at this point. I, I, there's so many different things, right? That you just really literally are like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you just figure it out. Mm-hmm. You're a problem solver. Mm-hmm. That's what being a lawyer is. Surprise, surprise. If you didn't know it already, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You find mm-hmm. problems, you solve them. You find, whether it's in your firm, whether it's your client, whether it's your boss, mm-hmm. that's what you do. Yeah. Whether it's your spouse. Oh, wait. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's why they're like, stop lawyering me. But it's innate. It, it, that's what law school did. That's what it changed you to be, to be this person who questions things, mm-hmm. who asks why and tries to fix the issue. Yeah. Also, I think unless you're owning your own practice, like you're under somebody else's rules, you know, like that's just how the world works, unfortunately. Yep. Um, so that's another thing to think about. If you are the person who is listening and you're like, there's no way I could ever, you know, I would say no. Maybe your own practice is best for you. Yeah. And maybe some people who are on the complete other side of the spectrum might think, wow, I never, I want, it was so small in me. I should say no. Like, oh, you know, like, yes, I think there's points in time where you are really exhausted and you are really tired and you've given a lot, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want you giving 80 hour weeks, but we also know that it's not going to be 35 to 40 hours. You're going to put in more hours than that. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with thinking, wow, this is a lot. I also want to say something that I've been thinking about is how tired I've been after very long days of just using a lot of brain power and working really hard. And I asked Colton, like, do you think that this is kind of like endurance, mm-hmm. working out, you know, your first few months you're struggling and then over time your your heart becomes stronger, your body becomes stronger, your brain becomes stronger, and then you're like, oh, like mm-hmm. – 10 push-ups. That was nothing, right? Um, I don't know. I hope that I can tell you that on the other side. And that's something that I want to like keep on everyone's mind and remind you guys about as I think about it too. But it is hard, you know, and it is tiring. Um, and there's a lot of days I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I've just learned to laugh. I've learned to just kind of giggle at the fact yeah. that it's just comedy. I'm We're writing this story and it's just like stage left or stage right. I don't know. Pick one. Luckily, it's a lot of people's experience. If if you meet a lawyer that says they know how to do everything and they never question anything, I would run away so fast. Yeah, lying. they're such liars. Liar, liar, so, on fire. You you hear heard it here first. <laughs> they're lying. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But yeah. If obviously like sound off in the <laughs> there's no comments on here, but like on Instagram, if you want to like chat about this more, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah. And especially about work-life balance, like what are y'all's thoughts on the first few years and how like working for somebody else, you know, what have your experiences been? Maybe, maybe we have isolated experiences. I don't know, but I would like, I would think that most people are in the same boat. Um, they're, if they're an associate the first few years, you know? Yeah. And I think even from our recent guests, we've heard that the first few years are hard. So I know that's been comforting to me, hence why we wanted to talk about this today. And, you know, hopefully you guys aren't nervous to graduate. And, you know, I'm sure many of you are like nervous to take the bar, which is expected. And you don't really think about what the rest of it looks like after it. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's great. You get to make money, which... Is something we talked about today, but at the same time, ugh, y'all, adulting, man, yeah. what is and, this? D- okay, qu- quick question to r- end it. 
do you think that the more money that you mm-hmm. make, the more responsibilities you have? Because I'm starting to think. I feel like. Yeah. At work? Yeah. Yes. I feel like if you ask for more money, you better take on more responsibility because it's a business at the end of the day and it's it's a tussle between the employee and the employer, right? How much will you pay me and how much will I do for and you? When we do hear about people who have amazing work-life balances. They may not be necessarily making as much, you know, that's another thing. Yeah. Like what's your, what is your, what do you want? And if you want more work-life balance, that might be a sacrifice that you have to make. I know I've definitely talked about it with my husband, you know, he wanted to be a PD and like, you know, that's, you know, less, but work-life balance usually seems to be better from government job, you know, leave on Friday at noon. Lots to unpack there, right? Because that's a very good point. You know, what do you, what do you want? And I think that's why people make career changes and career shifts, because I think sometimes all you can do is try it for yourself and test it out and realize I can't work for this amount of money. This isn't what I thought it was, or this is absolutely what I thought it was. Why didn't I quit sooner? Right. You know, so we encourage you to do that too. Cause I think sometimes people, you know, but I, I think when, what you talked about with the budget and figuring out how much money you want to make and need to make is a great way to decide, can we do this? Can I do this? Yeah. I would say and how can I do it? Make a plan. In this spreadsheet, I can totally send you a blank version without my numbers in it, of course. I will say it did take me like a few days to build and the formulas, I had to like Google them all, but it's a great spreadsheet. So you can start there. Amazing. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. We love getting to chat together and to chat with you guys. Keep submitting questions for us to answer. We appreciate it so much. We couldn't do this and couldn't make this content without you. Yes. And as I said before, follow us on the Ladies Who Law podcast and let us know in the comments of our Instagram post, you know, what you think and let's have a conversation. All right, guys. Well, we hope that you have a great week, a great start to March. I can't believe it's going to be spring soon. We love you guys so much and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.